0: Welcome back to the Stronger Business Podcast, where it is time to stop thinking about strengthening your brand and just do it. Please welcome our guest, Mr. Parker Nash, a marketing consultant who will help us identify our ideal customer and then attract that ideal customer by clarifying the message we are sending to them. And with that, I will turn it over to our hosts, Josh Melton and Chad Brown.
1: What is up, stronger business community? We are back for another episode, and today we're going to talk about marketing. Not only discuss how to market, but how to market like a billion dollar brand. Parker Nash, welcome to the podcast, man. Good to see you. Thanks, guys. Today's going to be fun. You have experience uh, in marketing and small business marketing. Nike, I mean, bring a lot to the table. I'm I'm (laughs) pumped. This is a subject that I am overwhelmingly confused about all the time. It changes. There's algorithms. You spend money here. You do this. I
2: understand you're here to help us sort through all that. Parker, I got to tell you, man, you you don't know this about me, but we share a common employer in Nike. Now, you worked for the big-time Nike, and I worked for... Like I two. don't even know this. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah. Right. I worked for the for the Nike factory you wear store. so oh, much yeah. Adidas. I wear a lot of Adidas now. There's I don't know no why. loyalty in brand? Just what I chose, man. Just what I chose. I worked for I Nike factory store in college. And I was always impressed. We man, it's probably we'll not the same level manager. of... Uh, <laughs>
0: Say what? We won't tell your your old manager at the factory of the beat is. Now we'll keep that a secret, just between us three, right?
2: It was twenty-something years ago, (laughs) but uh, but no, that's awesome. So yeah, you do have some experience and expertise. I mean, the reason you're qualified to talk about how to market your business like a billion-dollar brand is because you spent time with a multi-billion-dollar brand in marketing. So, man, tell us about some of your experiences with Nike and kind of how you gained some of these insights that now small businesses. Ah, uh, can learn from your experience there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, good question, and yeah, exactly. I, I so I spent about a uh, little over a decade, eleven years or so, working at Nike in product and getting a just a real front row, to seeing how a company like Nike builds product, builds their brand, markets and, and messages, and I mean, it was just a true trial by fire. And what was so fantastic about it was. Um, Now, I was not the best athlete in the world, but I certainly played sports all my life growing up. And what was really cool about working at a place like Nike is they purposely tried to hire athletes. And a lot of people are collegiate or professional athletes at one point in their lives. And what's so cool about that is you realize there's this incredible competitive spirit at a place like Nike.
1: Ooh, ooh, yeah. Not
0: not competitive like employee versus employee, but a competitive spirit And how are we improving, how are we getting better, and how are we improving what we're doing for our consumers. And so that's kind of one of the biggest things that I found was um, the key to all of, not all of Nike's success, one of the, the foundational pillars of Nike's success is they have an insane obsession with their consumers and customers to the point where in any meeting or product pitch or sales meeting you're ever in, you're almost guaranteed to get asked the question, well, what does the consumer think or what does the consumer do or that kind of thing? And to the point you're like, okay, buddy, I know you're just saying this because that's what everybody says, but, but it, 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 still at the same point though, you realize, no, there's actually a worthwhile question because it's a constant pointing ourselves in the direction of how are we improving the lives of our consumers through the product and the brand that we're creating? And I think that's one of the, the, the biggest things is where you see big brands like Nike, uh, any, any Apple, any, any billion dollar plus brand realizes it's not about their brand. It's about how their brand helps their consumers succeed. That is what it's all about. And, you know, we can talk about this for, for forever, but uh, I think that's one of kind of the, the simplest and biggest disconnects that I happen to see from small and mid-sized businesses to those brands that become just permanent and everywhere is brands like them talk and obsess consumers, smaller brands, oftentimes make the mistake of thinking, well, this business is about me, the business owner or the business leader. It's not, it's about how your business helps your customers. And here's a, here's a kind of cold, hard fact, but it's great to know. And I'm sure you guys know this too, is nobody cares about your business. They only care about how your business helps them out. as it relates to your product or service, right? Yeah. And so I think just learning that and experiencing that kind of that lesson there who, which took me a decade to learn that apparently. So I'm a, I'm a slow learner, I guess, but uh, <laughs> no, I mean, that's like, it's just something that gets repeated over and over and over. And you have to keep telling yourself and remind yourself of how do I help them? How do I help my consumers and customers thrive? That's my whole purpose in, in, in doing that. And If I'm able to do that, I'm increasing my odds of being successful.
2: A question for you on that, Parker, because again, it's what I've found and Chad Chad does a lot of small business consulting Yep. And so he's talking to people all the time when they're getting started or when they're, you know, trying to grow their business. Yep. Does Nike know? So Nike knows very well who their customer is. Mm-hmm. Does Nike also identify, hey, these people aren't our customers or are they trying to build a brand? that's just like, no, we want everybody to buy Nike products.
0: No way. I mean, um, here's a great example of that is uh, a couple of years back. If you guys remember this, you guys are probably football fans. I know you guys are football fans because we were just talking about Georgia. Um, but doesn't matter i'm not gonna let's not get into the where if we agree or disagree with this but do you guys remember when they had the big uh campaign about two three years ago about colin kaepernick Mm -hmm. right super controversial sure yeah and um controversial and some people absolutely hated it burnt jerseys and threw their nike stuff away (laughs) and a lot of people loved it and that was very, so at the time, of course, a lot of pundits are going, huge mistake by Nike. It's going to cost them billions of dollars doing this. They're, they're you know, chasing people away, all that kind of stuff. They were able to do that confidently without really thinking twice about it because they know who they want to appeal to so strongly. And, and Nike has spent so much time realizing to, to, to be as successful as we are, we can't, we aren't going to please everybody, but let's go find the people that really love us, that we can really help. And let's double down on them. And so they knew by making that statement, they were make drawing a, a closer connection, deeper connection, beyond just products and services to philosophical beliefs and to, to connecting to what people, their customers, believe in. And so that's why, Josh, going back to your question, you know, they Nike does two things consistently, which is always really before any season of product or anything happens, deep dives into who our consumer is. And I think through that, you quickly realize who our consumer is not. So it's very purposeful and focusing who do we want to serve and getting really specific on what's their life about, where are they struggling, where do they need help? How can we better serve them and doing that over and over and over.
1: So so I completely agree. If I know who my mm-hmm. one customer Uh, Who that is, what this avatar looks like. Mm -hmm. I know my ideal customer. I know what they believe in and I know what they wear and I know where they live and do they own a car or not. It's so much easier to market. And is that why small businesses struggle so much with marketing and where to spend money and what platform is they just Yeah. Are they too small to know who their customer is or or are they too scared to go after one customer? Are they like, I want to do business
0: with everybody because I'm trying to grow. What do you see there? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a mixture of things, but yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it feels a little counterintuitive. It can be kind of scary at times to go, uh, you know what? These aren't my people. Even though you're like, I'm never going to win them over, but there's still this voice in the back of our heads that are going, but you know, what, what if I could, or, but eventually you, you got to really think about this. <laughs> you're like, what's the opportunity cost of focusing on somebody or some group of people that, you know, you'll never appeal to. How much does that cost you from actually, uh, really digging even further? Can you take that energy time spent resources spent on that group that you probably will not satisfy? and invest that back in the people that do already love you. And how can you, that you'll get repaid off so much more from that than trying to appeal to so many different people. But yeah, I think it comes from, a one, it can come from just not doing the time of really thinking and just obsessing who do I, who's, who have I helped that really enjoy what I did and, and provided for them. And just thinking about that over and over, how, who are they, who are they like, you know, I'm kind of I think a lot of us have like a fuzzy kind of general sense of who our customers may be, but you got to get down to, all right, let's actually create one person. Can I picture and visualize one person? And when you do that, you start to realize, Oh, there's a lot more people like them out there too. There's a whole group of people. And now you start to get really specific on they're hanging out here. These are their interests. And it's so much easier to be able to target and connect with people when you have a clear picture of who they are, Versus like, oh, I think they're kind of like this. They're kind of like this. You're like, then you just have uh, a bit of what was, was kind of decision fatigue. of Like, man, it, the doors are so open. You have no guardrails to figure out how do I actually steer myself down the right path. So is that, the, is that
1: the number one thing businesses need to figure out before they do anything with marketing? Or is that one of five things? Or is that down the road? What, what's the order? How does this stuff? Yeah. How should yeah. it work?
0: Yeah, great great question. I think there's a, there's a couple of things and it does start with consumer. And I think there's kind of three major phases that I see and instruct and work with clients through. And really what we're developing is clarity and attraction. So phase one is clarity and connection with who's your customer? How does your product, what's the promise that your product provides to your customer? And then wrapping that up in, what is the compelling message you can come, you come up with to communicate how your product or service is gonna help your customer succeed and thrive? So that's, that's phase one is figuring out those pieces. And absolutely, yes, customer clarity comes first. You can't, <laughs> you can't do any of the rest until you've determined who, who are my customers, who can I appeal to, who can I help out, right? If, you, if otherwise, all those pieces that come next generic. They're not specific. It's, it's when you get in that middle ground of appeals to everybody, which appeals to nobody, right? Isn't, there, I think there's like an old saying of the friend, the guy that's the friend with every, the, the guy that's a friend of everybody is a friend with no one. Same kind of thing is if you're trying to appeal to everybody, you're not actually appealing to anybody. Cause no one's kind of latching onto this going, Oh, they're speaking to me. That's what you want to do is be able to have that connection of gosh, this brand, this company they know me, they understand me, and we want to work with people that understand us, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that totally makes sense. I think for a large part of my early business career of growing businesses, it was here's what I do mm-hmm. come get it, not right. specific around who I serve or who what customer best benefits. Yeah. And, and that's a, a lesson it took me a long time to figure out.
2: Yeah, I know for me, like Parker and me and Chad, we've been we've gone we a business together, we've been business partners for a um, decade now, yeah. about a decade, but yeah. the last year or so I've really been like pushing him hard on, on like narrowing down on who is, his client base is in his primary business. Yeah. And what we've realized is that like people need a money guy. They need somebody to do their accounting. They need somebody to be their CPA. Yep. But like some people really care that their CPA has phenomenal hair <laughs> and some people don't, you know, and I'm like, man, that person who doesn't care if their accountant has got phenomenal hair, that's not your person. You should be focused on salons, barber shops. I mean, yeah. the beauty industry, man, because you get yeah. that beautiful head of hair, and like, that just speaks their language. And kid you not, you do have a lot of like salons, and I do. Yeah. True story. You no, know? so like True I don't story. know, if Parker, if you're hiring or not, but I might be an ideal fit uh, for your team. But no, it, it is funny though, in seeing this, I see this in my primary industry, um, commercial <laughs> cleaning. We do. We have a office cleaning, bank cleaning company. Yep. But is that people are like? I'm like, well, doing consulting work with them. I'm like, well, who's your ideal client? They're like, man, we're going to clean like factories and hospitals and doctors' offices yeah. and and banks. We're going to do post construction. We're going to clean residential. We're going to pressure wash oh, out. I'm like,
1: we're going to do churches. We're going to yeah. do all these yeah. different models. And I'm yeah. like,
2: you're that's awesome. You're not going to make any money, <laughs> right? Because nobody's right. going to know what you do because you think that you do everything. Um, I would think personally, you know, using the Nike example, when I think of Nike, I don't personally think of like a leisurely walk on the beach. Like what comes to my mind is more like, no, oh, this is fitness and athletic gear. Yep. And like, so they probably make stuff for a, a lot of different types of environments. The thing that comes to my mind is like competition and, and yeah. fitness and growth, you know, like getting yep. better at something. That's just what it comes to my mind. Not like lay on the couch loungewear. They may, again, they may have some of that, but- Oh,
0: they absolutely do. And I think you're hitting on a really interesting point too, which is when you get really clear and specific on who you want to serve. So Nike is elite athletes, right? let's be real. There's 0.01% of the world. If less than that, that's elite athletes, <laughs> that right? Sounds like a tiny market. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, tiny, tiny, tiny. And so their product they make is good enough and and helps them perform better for elite athletes. But what they're tapping into is because they realize we people strive to be something better than what they currently are. And it doesn't matter if they're going to get to be an Olympic athlete or professional athlete. It's Everybody's on a different spectrum, a different level, right? But they stri- they want to be at, they want to aspire to be better. And so, when you get really clear on who you want to serve, you'll find that opportunities and people will cascade off of that because they really latch on to what you stand for and who you serve, and they want to become that. So that's that's kind of the goal of that stuff too. Is um, again, you'll find that there's a added side benefit of this when you actually say no to some groups. Other people start to rally around. What you're saying too. It seems like we're so afraid
2: of that no, though, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, right. man, if I'm like, if I say I'm just targeting these guys, Parker, then that's like 50% of the world. It's no, right. like I don't have access to their money anymore. I'm, at, I'm leaving all that on the table or I'm missing out or right. I'm losing, but that's, that's not really the way it works.
0: No, it's absolutely not the way it works. It's not a, um, we have finite resources, time, and, and, and places where we can invest ourselves into, right? So why spend why spend time, effort, and, and resources on a place that it's just not really working that well, right? Like, take, take that and realize that that's an opportunity cost that you're losing out on, on servicing people that can really, really love, will love your product or service that you provide them with. And, you know, there's a couple of questions I always ask myself, and I ask clients too when we're working through this if, if they're struggling with, well, who's my customer? I think there's a couple quick. Questions that I think we can all do, and it's actually good to do this on a routine. Oh, talk to me here. I need this. Yeah. Well, I, I got a so pen and, and pad this is, ready. You know,
1: this is, and I'm going to tell you why I need this in a minute. But you, you come with it, and then we'll we'll dive into the Chad Consulting Hour here in a second.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> prepare to be disappointed because it's not the most revolutionary th- questions. But man, I'm that's, seeing that's, big that's, light bulbs about to go off. Come on, <laughs> no man, it's it's simplicity. That's what's great about a lot of this stuff. It's actually when you get down to it, it's simple. It's simple as good. So first question, here's an obvious one. Who have you loved working with or who have you loved servicing? That's a great question. If you're struggling with that, do the opposite of that. Who have you hated <laughs> working with? Who has, who has been really difficult to work with? Who has consumed more of your time and, and resources and, uh, and energy than you would like? Okay, you can either go from who do I want to serve or you can start whittling down. I find it sometimes it's, it's actually the, the process is whittling down who I don't want to work with gets you closer to who you actually do want to work with. So those are two questions you can ask. Uh, similar question. Who do you want to build your business around? Some people are really, really clear on that. Uh, a couple other questions that you can ask that can help you know, visualize who your customer, ideal customer is or figuring out more about themselves. Who do they want to become? What drives them? What do they believe in? Um, we'll find, you'll find too, if you start to realize, oh, these are a lot of the same qualities and values I value, uh, that you, those are people are out there and you can relate to them. That's great. So, And then here's also a, a, a pretty easy exercise to do, which is now we're starting to go more tangible about this, is you can run through, a all right, what's a day in the life of my ideal customer look like? And that can really help you put a start making something that's intangible a little bit more tangible. Of what's their family life like? What's their life like? What are they doing? Where are they living? What are their What do they do for fun? You know, what's their work life like? When you start to do that, now you're getting a little bit more clear on. You have a better picture of who your customer is. That's awesome. So here's so here's my challenge right now. Uh, you, you
1: spoke earlier in the episode around. The customers you'll never appeal to or you can never serve well and I, that makes complete sense to me but yep. i'm in a position so with my tax office and tax business i have these goals i'm like okay i want to scale from two million in revenue to four million in revenue so we gotta like grow and to, to do that we got to grow way more than we ever have yep. in a in a short amount of time and so we have these metrics and goals behind growth but then i'm like Okay, so we make taxes easy and stress free Mm -hmm. and all of our customers love us, but we're serving low income customers. We're serving families in a starter house. We're serving business owners. We're serving high income, high paying tax Mm -hmm. payers. We're we're serving all of these
2: different people. Chad's got clients and they're they're in the NFL. Yeah. And then he's got other clients that probably can't afford to buy the Jersey from Nike. Yeah. That NFL. Park. Oh
1: yeah. I got, I mean, I, I give the example right down the street. I mean, I probably, our, my office does taxes for nine employees at the Burger King and the owner that owns five Burger Kings. I mean, and we do everything in between. And so, and everybody loves us and we serve them well, but I'm mm. like, God, who is our customer and how are we meshing all this together and why? And, if we're trying to grow. Do I need to keep serving all these or do I need to get rid of everybody except one customer? And I don't, it just, for a business owner, it just yeah. hurts my head to think about. It. I don't have the answers. And right. honestly, man, because I do not have the answers, we have cut out all marketing. We don't do any marketing yeah. right now. We do nothing because I feel like it's a waste of money.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough because I, I can see what, why you're doing this is you're obviously a good guy and you, you have great clients that you like. And when, yeah. when, when their clients, when your, your, your clients, if they own a business like the Burger King, they have employees that they want to help. And so you want to help their employees because it'll help them. So, um, it's hard. It's so hard to say no to that. And then their mom owns <laughs> some rental property over here. And then her sister's right. over
1: here and they own a business and then their friend like is on social security, but they need somebody to really help them. Cause her husband just yep. died. And before you know it, we got this, we built, this
0: collection of like
1: clients and business. And I'm like, what the heck do we do now?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, uh, gosh, yeah, that's really hard. And, and you know, maybe I don't know, is it, do you feel like you have to help the the Burger King employees and the moms of whoever else because um are you do you not want to disappoint the your clients? Like, you know, what's I'm sure there's some some motivation motivations behind that. And I don't know. Maybe maybe the key is thinking about: well, how can I still serve them but not having to be their accounting and uh, tax firm, right? Maybe it's it's as good as you. You know what? There's. Uh, let's say you don't want to do individual taxes or stuff like that. I'm I'm just gonna make this an example. Sure. Yeah. And, run with it. I love and, it. And and maybe that maybe the key is: hey, there's actually some other really great firms here in Athens that love to do taxes for individuals and individuals on uh, below this certain income level or something like that. Maybe that's, you start referring them to them, or you can give them some great resources that are out there that allows them to do it themselves. That's really helpful too. So, I mean, I think there's still ways to provide service without having to be their guy.
1: Yeah, I I think, and I think you're right. We got to figure out that balance of, and, and really it comes back to what you were talking about, which figuring out who do I want to serve and who's my right. ideal customer or who can we serve the best. And it's, it's hard because we've yeah. grown a really successful business and yeah, working, sure. but I don't know. I do not know who our ideal customer is because we, we had, we're so scattered It's the shotgun approach to mm-hmm. we're going to serve everybody in our town, mm-hmm. which sounds all nice and, and great. But in reality, it makes our business a mess because it just creates so many dynamics where now we're trying to grow and who do we market to? What do we specialize in? How do we control some of this direction of who we are and where we're going?
2: And You've also been in business for like what, 50 years or mm-hmm. something crazy. So like the business has existed yeah. for a long time, all right. accumulating all of these stories and the, the additions. And again, yep. like the connection between this and the, it's all happened for Chad with these, like connecting the sister with the aunt to the, and there's this big hodgepodge of customer types now, which is really interesting. I'll say, Chad, this is something that happened to me today, which is a little different because I feel like there was a conversation, Parker, that I had with my leadership team and it, it wasn't like the for the intent of marketing. The, the purpose of the meeting was not for us to brainstorm what mm-hmm. our ideal customer should look like,
0: mm-hmm. but
2: just in the midst of a meeting. One of us said, I don't know remember which one, it was like, man, it'd be it'd be so nice if all we did was clean banks. And it was like, it was like a light yeah. bulb moment. Mm-hmm. And so we still have lots of other types of clients right now, sure. but we realized for like our path moving forward, like what's well, the number one niche we want to go after. Yeah. And we started, we've started doing that narrowing. Yeah. As we've gone. So today I got a lead. I had, well, I I had a conversation yesterday where I told my business development guy, I'm like, hey, that client there. I want you to call this cleaning company that we know and that we trust. And I want you to connect them with this client that we currently have because we can't, they're no longer in our, in our customer niche, but this guy that'd be great for. So we can like meet yeah, that need yeah, and move yeah. on. And then today the we got a lead for an industry that we do some business in, but it's not, it, it's not in our niche that we really want to chase down. And I have a buddy of mine. He's in that niche. That's, that is like specific to his niche. It's church cleaning. Okay. Like, we're not going to do it, but let's call Frank. And let's connect front because it's like we're saying no because that's not our ideal customer. Yeah. But it does exist for somebody. There's a good place for me to refer him to. So it's funny in in figuring out like it's weird when you're growing your business and you're getting bigger and you're trying to figure out how to scale is that sometimes you do have to be like, well, we can't take on that type of client anymore. And I think at a certain point, your system is no longer serve that person. And you have to figure out how to pivot them to somebody else so that you can grow in the area that you're the greatest at.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure you guys would, will find too that you think you're, man, I'm passing up on this opportunity or I'm, I'm, I'm sending someone else to this place. I don't know. I feel like if you're able to help people and provide value or refer people to other people, like call it karma or good juju or whatever it is. Right. But like, I feel like you end up getting rewarded in the end may not be immediate, but it pays off in the end too. If, if you're, if you're out there to help other people you'll 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 be you'll succeed because of that too
1: yeah absolutely all right so once we identify let's let's talk to the audience that's further along than I am and they've identified their ideal customer and they they know who they want to serve and how and exactly who to speak to what do you
0: do from there what where does marketing begin once that piece is determined yeah great question so then from there once you understand who your customer is now I think the the first The next, not the first, but the next step is, this is, this is a really key piece then to creating the, um, what I'll call step two and step three. Step two is the assets you need to develop to attract clients. Step three is the, the system you needed to put in place to attract customers and clients to you. But before you do that, you need to come up with a really crystal clear message of how you talk about your business and how what you say and present to your customers so that they engage and have to listen. They start listening to what you have to say. And there's a couple things about, about this, about messaging, why it's so important is because, you know, this is where, again, going back to Nike and these great brands is one, they're all their messaging is directed with their consumers at the center of it, right? It's not about the business. It's about their customers and how they're going to help their lives be better by using their product or service. And and, and so it's really focusing on how can I create a message that's going to talk to them? And so there's a couple of things that, that we really want to talk about is, one, you got to identify, and this is kind of going back to understand our customers, what do they want as it relates to your product or service? Next thing we want to talk about is what is holding them back from getting what they want? So what's the problem that they're Ooh, experiencing? that's good, right? yeah. Simple question, but this is a really important thing to talk about too, is because if you don't solve a problem for your customers, there's no reason for you to exist. And if you don't talk about the problem that you solve for your customers, there's no reason for your customers to engage with your brand. So if you aren't talking about the problems that they have as it relates to your product or service, then well, why do I care? It's just noise, right? So identifying the problem then let's talk about how your business is uniquely positioned to be able to help them overcome that problem. And then last, two important things, what will their life look like after they use your product or service? And conversely, what will their life look like if they do not use your product or service? Because again, if there's, if there's no uh, cost for not doing business with you, there's no reason to do business with you. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So if you can identify those pieces as part of a a, what I'd call like a, a brand messaging framework for your company, you gotta you gotta get those down and those key elements clear because everything else you say, whether it's written, whether it's on a podcast, whether it's in a blog, whether it's in a social media post, it's on your website, now it needs to be consistent and repetitive. And this is where big brands understand this: repetition and consistency is the key to getting people to remember you. Nike has a swoosh. Nike has a tagline, just do it. They've stuck with that for 50 years and they've rolled with it over and over and over because when you see it, you know who that is. You know who's also really great at this? The big insurance companies are so good at this, like Allstate, State Farm, any one of them. They each have their own unique proposition that they bring And in every single commercial it's repeated over and over and over and over and over and over over again. (laughs) So that when you come time to get some car insurance or home insurance or renter insurance, you there's a brand that is stuck in your mind that is going to help you solve this problem of figuring out how am I going to insure whatever I need to get insured. So it's consistency and repetition. So once you've identified, created that messaging framework now, this is what I would say, get into stage two, phase two, is creating those key attraction assets, your marketing collateral you need to to engage, to have customers engage with your brand. A a great first place to start is your website. And, you know, whether you're driving tons of business through your website, like an e-commerce business, or if you're just a service business that, um, you know, isn't driving a ton of money through it. It's still an, a critical asset to have because, you know, guess what we all have now in our pockets is a phone. Yeah. And so when someone says, Hey, um, gosh, I'm looking for uh, a good cleaning company. Who you, you know anybody? And they go to go to Josh's company. They're going to get their, your, they'll get your email, they'll get your phone number, whatever it is. But I'm willing to bet what they do before that too is look you up in some form or another. And that's your that's your first opportunity to make a great impression. You've already done great work, which is you got someone to refer you, which is that's gold, obviously. But now it's all right, let's let's be able to stand out and really talk to our customers so we can attract them. And that's creating that website. So that's where that messaging really starts to come to life. Those elements that we talked about, what your customer wants, the problem, how you solve it, what their life's gonna look like, that should be that should be flowing on your website in different pieces. And that should be clearly pres- present on your website, that's gonna get people to engage. From there, what are some other pieces that we need to have? We need to have, I would say for most businesses, you you probably need to have some form of a lead magnet or a lead generator. And what I mean by that is a asset you can provide free value to your customers and clients in exchange for their email address. Because 99 or more percent of your customers for the first time they come across your business Will not buy from your business, right? So if you don't, if you don't do something, so even
1: when I get them there and answered all the questions, ninety percent of the time
0: they're going without buying from me. So, yeah. So like, you know, they're not gonna. Yeah, the first time they come, they're not. They're, and especially, by the way, too, If like the, the higher price and value your product or services, for sure the more time it's going to take to engage with somebody like if it's not a $10 purchase, it's not a click and buy. See you later. Thanks. Great. I don't need to do too much research on this. If you're over a certain threshold, yeah, it's going to take some nurturing and, and some building a relationship with them. So that's why lead magnets is really important is because if you're getting people to come to your website or come across you somehow in some form, well, that's an opportunity to, uh, provide them value, start to build a relationship, nurture them a bit, Get them to trust you so that when they are eventually ready to buy, you are top of mind. And so a lead magnet and then the follow-up to that is email, good email marketing, good email campaigns that are nurture campaigns of here's value, here's tips, here's how you can overcome that stuff. So, um, you know, Chad, like if we're talking about your, your tax business and let's say you really wanted to focus on uh, businesses in, in, in the Athens area. You could have a resource with uh, five ways, um, five ways that you're, you're, you know, you're leaking money from your business because of your taxes or uh, three ways to save a million dollars on on taxes in the next three years, right? Whatever it is, maybe it's even a quiz. How well have you structured, how much have you optimized your finances, your taxes in your business? And it could be an assessment of, boy, you're doing great or oof these are some areas you need to help, you need help with. Right. Anyways, one of the, any of one of those resources for a business owner is probably pretty valuable because who doesn't want to pay less taxes and save money <laughs> sure. so they can reinvest into their business. Right. Absolutely. And if they come across you and you're the one that has provided them with that resource, they go, gosh, man, I just got, um, one of these tips alone is going to save me a hundred thousand dollars in the next couple of years. Well, I want to work with this guy. Right. So opportunity to provide value and then have an email campaign that drips out after that and stays on a consistent routine where you keep providing value and value and value to these people. So that, um, before you've even asked them to schedule a call or, Hey, let's talk about becoming a client. They trust you and you haven't pushed them. You're not the used, used car salesman. That's like, Hey, buy now, right. You've just, you're out there to help them and people really gravitate towards that. So, I think that's that's kind of the pieces you want to build in that framework of uh, attraction assets, and then after that, once you have all that stuff, you have the clear message, you have clarity on your consumers, you have those pieces you need to engage with your customers. Now it's figuring out, okay, well, how do I how do I get people to my business? And uh, you know, this is a <laughs> this is a mistake a lot of people make. Hey, if I have a social media profile. Hey, if I have a website. Um if I do this or have this whatever on any profile, if I build it, they will come. They're gonna Oh, absolutely. Here it is. Yeah. Get, get ready. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Get ready to be super disappointed. They are <laughs> right. Like it's so all this
1: like shockingly reminds me of like, like my high school and college dating scene. <laughs> it's like Hey, good to meet you at the bar. You want to go to dinner? It's like, oh no, buddy. (laughs) 99.9% is no way. I need you to like send me letters for two years and get to know you. And like you keep like dropping like information and value. And then maybe in two years, I'll become your customer. Maybe we'll see. I'm like, God, this is a lot of work, Parker.
0: (laughs) I want to speed this up. Can I just throw some money at this and make all that other stuff go away? Yeah, prove to me how um, you're going to be uniquely positioned to be a great husband and father and family man and, and, <laughs> yeah. and boyfriend, right? Yeah, it's like let me, let me just buy you a nice dinner. Come yeah. on. So, yeah. So, I mean, uh, absolutely. Like, there's you know, doesn't matter you have the coolest looking website, the coolest looking logo and brand and stuff like that. If you don't do things to get people to be aware of how you're going to help them, they're not coming. So that's the third phase of this, which is the system you put in place to get people to you. And I think there's three different ways, and it can be a mixture of all. It can be a mixture of some, probably a mixture of some, not all, unless you just have an enormous team around you. But I kind of lump them into the process to get people to you. is You can build it, you can buy it, or you can borrow it build it, it's going to take you a lot longer, um, for the most part. And that can be through pod it's, but it's, it's, don't do it. It's a really good thing to have, which is it can be through blogging. It can be through podcasting, be through social media, right? These are all important pieces to have. It can be through direct outreach. Um, these are things of you going out and building this, building the platform to get people to you. You can buy it, but obviously not always the most, uh, not always the greatest thing to do. You can throw a lot of money away at Google ads or Facebook ads or whatever promotional advertisements you want to throw. So that's um, that's an option, but it's not necessarily don't do it. It's just another tool within your arsenal of getting people to you. It's figuring out which ones are the best for my business. And then there's the third one, which is borrow. And this is a, to me is a key one. And I know you guys are doing this and um, it's really why try to there's faster way there's faster paths to success than you trying to eke your way out and build a platform from the ground up there's lots of other people and businesses that have already done it that serve your customers your audience with a similar or non-competitive product or service so can you be a guest on a podcast can you do guest blogging can you host a webinar with a, a, a partner business? It's, it's establishing partnerships and collaborations, right? And now what you're doing is tapping into other people's audiences that they've built. Now it's not for the sole ex- express purpose of, I'm gonna sell you all my stuff. No, it's you go there to help them, help help their business succeed, help their customers succeed. And if you do that, people will wanna, Want to work with you too, so I think that's the kind of the last piece is, is figuring out what are those different strategies within that area to get people to you.
2: I was really hoping you're going to say you could build it, you can buy it, you can borrow it, or you can steal it because I knew Chad was going to be. That's, that sounds like the best I'll deal, that one. the most financially savvy, <laughs> quickest ways you just steal it. No, yeah, um, you, may, gonna... you may
0: steal it if uh, in the not in the literal sense, but if you are able to provide better information, more help to to your ideal customers and they're currently going with a different competitor that's uh not doing well, as well then you will steal it but I, I i like to think of that more as they're really they, they are realizing that there's a, someone else i can help them better i want to buy it i just want to
1: pay for it but i want to guarantee it'll work right I, that, that that i think that's where the problem comes in is hey i, yeah. want, I want to buy it but i want the 3x return guaranteed well, and, right. and it's usually the opposite i'll buy it and i get the the 30% of my spin comes back. And I'm like, this right. doesn't make any
2: sense. <laughs> the good thing as far as this goes, Chad, with you, man, is that as you're saying, Parker, as far as in like borrow it. Um, by the way, I'm gonna like date myself as far as the song I'm about you to You already
1: have right. and working at the Nike factory store. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> 20
2: years ago, man. So that's the best, that's the best two and a half weeks of my life, y'all. That's longer than that. No, uh, <laughs> I, this one day I, I thought about this idea as far as in what you're saying with this, Parker, which is, look, there's people have platforms yep. and you can you can borrow their platform or you can leverage their platform by offering, yeah. you know, figuring out a way to offer some type of value. Mm-hmm. And so different from marketing, but he's an example of like Uber. Well, if I'm like, I can I can leverage the Uber like platform to go out and build a business off of it. So this one's a little different because you're, you're lending basically your voice, your credibility yep. to, to provide value somewhere else. But the, thing, the way I said it was um, you're down with OPP, but it's other people's platforms. Yep. It's a little bit different, but it's, but Chad has done a good job. This
1: of, podcast is reaching
2: all time low. Going back, <laughs> since you mentioned your dating life, uh, I Chad's
1: want to to our
2: Chad done a great job of it's the parental advisory, not version. It's the radio version. Um, that's a definitely a job of <laughs> leveraging the other people's platforms because really, and this is why his, his client base developed in so many, so many different ways over the years. Yeah. But you talked about one of our recent episodes that I had a certain platform and a certain industry for a certain season of life. Yep. And I invited Chad to come in and speak because he had content and he had value that he could mm-hmm. offer there. And as a result, like, you know, he offered value. It was attractive to people. So he was able to, extract monetary value by trading a service, you know, to create additional value for these folks. But he was able to create a really solid business off of being able to leverage that platform or to borrow the platform I had in that particular season of life. And it was a win for me because here I am with this platform. These are people that I want to, I want to, you know, bring incredible people. I want to build value for them. So I got, he's providing value for me. by providing value for them. And then because he provided value, he was able to get value. It was a win for everybody in the scenario. So I've really seen Chad do a wonderful job of borrowing these platforms, but now he just keeps wanting to buy all of them, Barker. I don't know if that's the way you should go about it. I, I really want to refer him to a really solid financial consultant who can help me make wise financial decisions, but it's, there's a little, there's some, there's some issues with conflict that. Of interest there? yeah. yeah. There's some, there's some issues with that.
0: No, I, I mean, and, and let's be clear on this too, about borrowing. You guys, this is what you guys are talking about. It's not using we're not using people, yes, right? Yes, there you go. Because if you, if you see someone as a, a big money bag, people are going to see through that quickly, right? It's, well, how can I help them? How can I help them help their customers, their clients? And shoot, if I do that well, well, something's going to come back my way in some form or another. It might be immediate and direct, or it might be from because you went and helped this other business out, now, when they come across people that they're like, I'm looking for this, they're pointing them to you because you're you're the guy that's helpful. So yeah, it's a big difference between borrow and use. It's borrowing. And um, shoot, I think you guys had a, uh, who who's your guest you had on recently? Vincent, um, I'm not oh, gonna, yeah. I'm Vincent not gonna try to pronounce his last name. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you guys started chatting about this, which I think you got into like partnerships and collaborations and stuff like that too, right? and that's a huge thing i mean going back to nike this is what nike does all the time is they they have a cooler name for it they call it the collab but it's a collaboration that's short for collaboration and you'll see nike do this all the time and they'll partner with other brands that are servicing their customers and clients and they'll maybe it's a, a really big designer or maybe it's an it's it's not maybe it's always athletes tons of athletes right It's partnering with others, brands and athletes and designers to create product together or to create new ways to service Nike's clients and customers. And by doing that, well, people like this brand or people like this athlete, and since now they're associated with Nike, you've extended your credibility, your authority, your trust to that brand. And it brings all people together and it's a win for everybody. You made mention that, of this
2: too, from the standpoint of like the athletes, you mentioned insurance companies earlier and you see that all the time too, right? I mean, every insurance company, company that's big out there has got a celebrity athlete. Uh, right. Affleck's got Nick Saban. They got Deion right. Sanders right now. State Farm's got Chris Paul and they got Trey Young coming in and Aaron Rodgers. Like they all, LeBron James has done for some They just just like, they got their bar on those platforms or, totally. you know, that co-op aspect. It's so cool to see it. Uh, and again, that's why Again, I take it back to the, to the salons. I just, I feel like that's the co-op opportunity for you, bro. I, I
1: I like what you said there, Parker, how you ended that of it's a win for everybody. Yeah. And I think for the young audience, for the business owner, I, I make the jokes about dating and we make the jokes about how do you just buy it? Cause that's what we all want to do. We're like, Oh, I just want it to happen right. fast. But The key is, yeah, not how do I take something from this or how do I use it? How do I provide value and make it a win for everybody? And how do I play the long game? Like this really is a long game. You've got to earn years of trust and message and relationship. And just like Josh, you talk about uh, the the speaking and the clients and the providing value back and forth. Some of those things took five years to full circle back. To, to To develop into customers, but that's that's part of the game. It's the the idea and the instant gratification of I'm going to build a business, and I'm going to have an awesome website, and I'm going to do a million dollars in revenue. I mean, it, it takes businesses twenty years sometimes totally. to get there, and and that's I think that's the biggest missing piece for young entrepreneurs. They feel like their business there isn't a market, or I'm not successful, or I should go do something else because I'm. I've done this stuff and I'm eight months in and I'm not, my phone's not ringing off the hook. And that's it's just not the way it works. It's, yeah, it's I mean, not possible.
0: Get, you know, it's like the typical story we all love to fall in love with is somebody created an app or some tech thing in their garage and boom, two years later, it's a billion dollars. And you're like, I don't know. We like, we can count on, our our two hands how many people that have done that. So if you feel like that's going to be, I mean, great. If you're that big of a visionary and you got an idea to actually make that happen, more power (laughs) to you. But for the most of us, right. It's, 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 you have to have a long-term view. Shoot. Nike is an enormous brand.
2: Nike almost went
0: under once or twice in the process. Yeah. They 50 years this year is their 50th year in business. So it's taken forever to get to this point, but I mean, they've been an insane success at it. And yeah, if you have a long-term view of expectation, um, you're going to be so much better off on doing this kind of stuff too. And it's like, yeah, I mean, most of us, we're not going to do something in eight months and we're going to be millionaires. I mean, (laughs) that's, that's like the equivalent of going to the Alaska gold rush and striking gold. Right. I mean, it's maybe somebody will do it, but not many. And so and I think that's kind of all goes back to like the philosophy. If you can if you show up, add value and seek to help people, and uh, you you're just gonna have much better, a much better outcome of 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 your business and getting there too.
1: Which at the end of the day, from a marketing perspective, doesn't really cost you anything in most scenarios. Yeah. You're sharing right. your message, you're sharing your time, yeah. you're providing value, even on your website. You you talk yeah. about Hey, click here to get three free tax tips or click here to oh, want to save a million dollars. It's right. Let me give,
0: give, yep. give, give, you everything I can. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I think most of us are pretty good at snuffing out people that are in it for a quick buck. And we don't, we can see through generally uh, maybe minus the people that invest with Madoff, but uh, you know, like, those were good returns. Now. Yeah, we're good I returns. know, right? But
1: uh, you promised think, twelve, fourteen percent. People will line up. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. And even that wasn't a even that wasn't a quick buck. It was. It was. Uh, he did that a long time. But yeah. anyways, uh, you know, it's it's people can people don't want, can tell like when someone's just trying to get your money, and we don't want that. We we want relationships and help and advice, and we want to build something with people too. You know, it's yeah. cool,
2: man. Saying that too, Parker. One of the things is like with these episodes of the podcast i hear chad say this a lot like it's very consistent messaging from him but it's about playing the long game and i think that the challenge for a lot of us is we don't play the long game because just our personal belief Mm and who we are and what we can accomplish in our business isn't where it needs to be a company like nike like obviously they believe that they can they can fulfill the promise that they're making like there's not a belief issue with nike there's not a belief issue with what you're doing with your marketing company with what I'm doing the cleaning company Chad's doing with the accounting company like we know that we can solve problems for people, so we don't have to have this ridiculous sense of urgency of like we got to have the website up and getting clients like tomorrow for we're gonna go under they so, is gonna
1: steal my clients yeah, right. yeah you know the abundance right.
2: mentality and yeah. just believing like I'm somebody that can I can solve problems for consumers here's the consumer I can solve the problem for and mm. I just I know I can do it so therefore. I don't have to be rushed. I just got to tell a consistent story because the right people are out there. I'm going to run into them because I'm, I'm talking to them about their problems and how we can solve them. And I I don't have to be in a rush to do it because I see so many people in my industry that are getting started and they like, they feel like I'm going to build a website and then I'm going to get leads immediately. And I have to, and it's like, it's just, it's not going to happen that way for most of us. Not going to happen.
0: Yeah, exactly. Unless, unless you're sitting on a fat stack of cash that you can dump into just buying it. Well, you're gonna burn through that pretty quick. And but again And um, if you
1: and if you buy it and you don't have the experience you're probably gonna screw it up And the customer walks in. Absolutely.
0: That's a great point, which is it doesn't matter how much you pay for and traffic you get people to you if you haven't taken your lumps and gone through the process of making sure you can actually service your clients well, having a good sales process in place, having the structures in place to actually serve your clients once they come to you, it doesn't matter how much people you bring to you, you're just gonna throw it all away, right? So like, that's definitely, it's a great point, which is there is a time and a place to buy. And it is certainly after you've, you've built up some structure and some processes around to make sure that, uh, that you are, when people do come to you, you are capturing them and not letting them go away, right? And that takes, that also for most of us, takes some time to do that.
2: Yep. All right, I got to tell you this, Parker. This is the first time we've done this on the podcast. It may be the last time we do it on the podcast. Who (laughs) freaking knows? But this thing's all about getting stronger and developing stronger businesses, getting stronger in your, but you know, as an entrepreneur, getting stronger as a sales leader, getting stronger just in your business. If you're the owner or not, who cares? How do you get stronger? So, first time we're saying this word, and again, we'll see. It actually, I'm now noticing the acronym is mom, but (laughs) moms are stronger. Our max out moment, if you can leave our audience with just one piece of advice, one takeaway, what would that piece of advice be?
0: Back to what we've been talking about, clarity and attraction. Get really clear on who you serve, how you serve them, and build out your assets to attract them and your system to bring them in to your fold. That's all within the realm of making sure you serve them and help them first. And when you have those pieces in place, you're going to go some places for sure.
2: Dude, that's awesome. And conveniently today, we have an opportunity for our listener to max out because you got a resource for us. You're offering to our stronger business audience. Uh, tell us, Parker, about the resources you have that can help us lean into that clarity and attraction for our business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You you bet. So it's if you go to my website, it's parker t nash.com slash boost. It's the three part business boost. And in, in that process, there's three free videos that will tell you and help you transform your marketing, attract more customers and grow your business. There are real world examples of everything that we've been talking about this today, about the clarity and the traction and how you can build out those key assets in your marketing to go and serve your clients. So that's parkertnash.com slash boost is where you can get that resource. And uh, other than that, LinkedIn, Instagram, I'm on it. Not too many other Parker Nash's out there. So hit me up, find me out and I uh, would love to connect with you all. Dude, that's
2: so awesome. Chad is a speed of implementation kind of guy. He's probably already downloaded that (laughs) website. So Chad, you want to give a quick review of the boost source? Uh, Man, I am like so
1: deep right now into like my ideal customer. I'm like past the boost. I've downloaded it. I've got it. I'm like by tomorrow morning, like ready to like figure out who my ideal customer is Uh, and like retrain my team. That's for me, that's something I know that I struggle with. Something I've got to figure out as a business owner and entrepreneur is in the different things that i do who is my ideal customer and and when i identify it quits freaking saying yes to all Mm -hmm. the customers that don't fit that model and mode i'm a numbers guy and i start seeing like quantity and numbers Mm -hmm. and profits and number of clients and growth and scale and i I like violate all my rules of who I'm serving. <laughs> mine, so.
2: Oh, that's so awesome, Chad! I think Parker might have you beat on the best hair on the podcast today, too. So you might be like increasing, like figuring out how I'll you can change you, this, the style. This
1: hair will get a lot more play if we get a lot more like bald guests. We're like we're lining up with like Vincent and Kevin and Parker. Like they're all like beating me in the hair right, game. Right. So it, it's not even fun to talk about when I like just when I can't even compete. So yeah, uh, Chad. We,
0: after this, we can talk notes on product, what we're using who we're doing, you know, different hair techniques. What's hey, an, I, I
1: an, need I need some hair. tips, man. This is my first <laughs> time ever in, like, long hair territory. I didn't know I had this. I spent 40 years, Parker, with a little short and stubby hair. And I'm like, oh, my God, yeah, I had this the whole look time. Look at this baby cloth. I mean,
2: What on. a waste. I don't even know what I'm doing oh, with gosh, this. The, the ugly ducklings a swan all along. Yeah, ah, man, it's a geez. beautiful head of hair. Man. Parker, man, we appreciate you being here with us today Likewise. and helping our community grow stronger, man. It's been a blast.
0: Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. This has
2: been a Thanks, man. If you enjoyed
1: this episode of the Stronger Business podcast, then leave us a review and share it with a friend. You can find us online at strongerbusiness.com or check us out on Instagram or Facebook at Stronger Business. We look forward to hearing from you and have a great 2022.